Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 380 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Shannon Katuzis. Shannon lives in Houston, Texas, where she is a youth pastor. Welcome, Shannon. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I'm so glad to talk to you. We are recording this on November 2nd. You've got your Christmas tree in the background. It's making me want Christmas tree. (laughs) By the time this comes out, I guess our trees will all be down. Oh, that's so sad. (laughs) I know. Although I'm sure somebody listening on January 23rd, when this comes out, will still have up their Christmas decorations. I know. You know, what does he say in Elf? You know, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is... Singing loud Sing for loud. all to hear, but there's something about those twinkling lights just mm-hmm. make me cheerful every time. Me too. <laughs> so it just got cold here, so I am 
bundled up and mm-hmm. I am ready for some Christmas. Anyway, everybody, if your lights, if your tree is still up, that's okay. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> we support you. We do. Mm-hmm. Um, I support anything that brings you joy in your life, right? Yes, exactly. That. Exactly. So, you know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? So I would say I came to intermittent fasting in uh, probably March 2021, but I kind of want to rewind and give kind of a nutshell of how I even got there. So just some background information about me. I am a pastor's kid. I am a picky eater. And so a lot of my growing up years were on a budget and not even being able to stomach half the things that my mom made for us, like canned green beans and, you know, all the, yeah, (laughs) all of the canned vegetables and things. So I pretty much grew up on peanut butter and jelly like that. I think that's how I'm still alive is peanut butter and jelly. I owe PB&J in my life. Um, No, just kidding. But that being said, I was always a pretty thin and average kid, you know, nothing to be concerned about, no health issues, except whenever I was in third grade, I got gout. <laughs> oh my goodness. Now I have never in my entire life heard of a child with gout. Yes. That is one of the, uh, when people say like, uh, two truths and a lie or something like that, like that's always one of my truths because nobody believes it. Yep. No, but literally I've never, like, you know, I taught school for 28 years. I never heard of a child with gout. Yes. Wow. Is it something that runs in your family? My dad has a problem with it on occasion. And whenever I found out that it was called the rich man's disease, because it's about having like a rich diet. Right. "Mm, I don't know about that. Um, So that's just a little tidbit. uh, Wow. (laughs) Anyway, so I was always pretty thin and pretty active and, you know, average. And in middle school, I started doing volleyball, basketball, and track. So I was constantly in a sport. I was constantly active. Um, I was not one of those kids, obviously, that sat down with TV or a tablet or anything. We didn't even have tablets No, um, in the 90s. <laughs> we barely, I mean, we have, well, I was going to say we barely had TVs, but that was more my, my time. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all had plenty of TVs by the time. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We had TVs for sure. But I was the one, like, I was playing outside and playing house and, you know, I was always doing things. And so I grew up and went to high school and whenever I hit puberty, like I didn't really gain weight, but I just kind of grew shape, but like right. I was still athletic. Like the only thing I noticed was that I was maybe just a little bit more solid than a lot of the girls. I was taller a little bit. I was a little bit more bigger boned, I guess, not mm-hmm. like big boned, but bigger boned. And, but still I was volleyball, basketball and track for you have an athletic of- frame, right? That's, that's yes. really, I think that would just be a good way. You know, mm-hmm. we have different frame sizes. Right. I tend to have like a really small frame. That's right. how my body is built, but you had an athletic frame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. An athletic frame for sure. With just a little bit of cushion, like yeah. nothing big. And I always thought I was fine. Like I, I grew up knowing that. My sister, my older sister, she has a very different frame. She's much shorter than I am, has a little bit. She's very petite. Um, she's probably similar to you. Mm-hmm. And But she went through a puberty stage where she blew up. And she was very self-conscious of that. And so whenever I was reaching my puberty teenage years, 
I had seen how she'd worked super hard to get out of that. Mm -hmm. So that was really my only frame of reference of diet and discipline as far as food goes. I don't remember my mom ever really talking about it much. She, my mom, I would say has always maybe been a little bit overweight, but nothing major. I always just assumed I would turn out to be like her. And I was fine with that because a little overweight, but not unhealthy and not obese. Okay. That's fine. Especially if I get to eat whatever I want, you know? So I didn't really have a whole lot of dieting frame of reference. I had some friends that did some little dieting here and there, but not anything major. And we were all in sports, so we didn't really need to do anything crazy. So I just started kind of growing curves a little bit and just a little bit of cushion, but nothing bad. And I went to college in Oklahoma and I went there on a cross country scholarship. So I was running, you know, 40 plus miles a week and doing weights and calisthenics and, you know, all of these different things that it would be basically impossible <laughs> to gain weight. But yet I still kind of did a little bit because my oh, body that was college, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, it was, it was a bad, bad eating time for sure. <laughs> and I've never been a partier or anything like that. So for me, it was going to McDonald's at nine o'clock at night uh, with friends and eating whatever I wanted. And (laughs) there's no outrunning that once you hit a certain point. Right. Though I tried. So I would gain just a little bit, maybe 10 pounds a semester, if even that. And, but then I would kind of drop a little bit after the summer, but then gain in the summer. And so it was kind of just this back and forth, I guess you'd call it a yo-yo. Right. But even still like, I wasn't big. I was just, I had some meat on my bones. And so I started to notice in cross country, all of the girls are tiny itty bitty people. Like they're long and lean and muscular, no fat on their bodies. And I started to notice like I have more thigh than they do. My thighs jiggle whenever I run. (laughs) Theirs don't, but mine do. And I started to be a little self-conscious of that. But even still, like I've never been an insecure person as far as my body goes. I'm like, it is what it is. And okay, mm-hmm. that's fine. Um, and which I, I'm thankful for that because I didn't have to grow up with all of the insecurities and things. Well, I think that's huge. Like not having all that because, you know, we've heard so many people on the podcast talk about like, you know, a comment their dad made when they were seven and then that like right. for the rest of their lives, they're self-conscious about their thighs. Right. 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 And mm-hmm. it's hard to undo that once right. you've planted it in as a child. So it's great that you did not right. have that. Right. Yeah. It is great. And I definitely hope that I can share that with the teenagers I work with and my right. nieces and all of that. The thing that maybe is a little bit, I don't think I had a realistic view necessarily. I wasn't arrogant by any means, but I didn't notice whenever I started to gain any kind yeah. of weight. So that was a little bit of the the con on that. I mean, I still would say that's the way to bring up a girl or whatever, but that was a little bit of the negative is I did not notice whenever I started gaining weight, I still saw the same person in the mirror. So I was doing the college thing, running lots, eating lots, having a great time, loving it. And I was then diagnosed with hypothyroidism and which I didn't know what that was at the time. I'd never heard of it. And now I've learned so much about how common that is and how much that affects your whole body. Yeah. (laughs) 
So I got into medicine, just a low dosage, did some supplements and different things. And it seemed to kind of just level out, nothing too big, nothing major. And graduated. As soon as I graduated, I blew up. <laughs> now, would you say that had to do with cross countries now over? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, and whenever I moved back, so I got a job at my home church and it was just part-time at the beginning. So I was working three jobs for oh. about a year. And so I was in my car a lot and I did not have time to run unless if I wake, woke up really early and I'm not a morning person. So that was <laughs> I'm not getting up and running. Uh-uh. No, 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 <laughs> no. Did that enough in college. So. And also where my house is now, where I moved back, a Chick-fil-A is less than a mile. And I adore Chick-fil-A. It's like, just good chicken. It's just good yeah. chicken. It is yeah. so good. <laughs> like literally that would be my every day on the way to work. That would be like calling my name before I was an intermittent <laughs> faster. Those chicken minis. Oh. What is it about those chicken minis? The honey on them. Oh my uh, goodness. It's yeah. So they're sweet. Good. They're salty. They have all the goodness. Chicken minis, waffle fries, and a large Coke. What in the world? Oh no wonder I was obese, but right. it was just, and there's like nothing nutritious there. <laughs> right. Nothing nutritious yeah. except for for your soul. Like my soul. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No wonder I had trouble with my weight. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So Chick-fil-A was at least a once a week occurrence, which it mm-hmm. still is kind of, but um, it was definitely a very frequent occurrence. Right. And I was just so busy. I was, you know, from... 7.30, in the morning until 6 or 7 in the evening and just running all over the place. And also 22 is still figuring out how to do the different things and how to pay off student loans and manage my own money and, you know, all of these things that you're just learning brand new. So I did not weigh myself because I was never aware. So I don't know how heavy I'd gotten at that point. But looking back at pictures, my face was just round and puffy. And I had an unfortunate haircut at the time that did not flatter my round puffy (laughs) face. So yeah, it was not good. What was the haircut? Like, I know what you mean, but it was an A-line bob, which I don't mind the style itself, but on me, whenever I'm heavy, it's not flattering at all. (laughs) Well, that's the thing about haircuts. Like every haircut, there's someone that will look it on. I I don't know, maybe a mullet, maybe not. Or I think mullets might be back, but (laughs) every, every hairstyle looks good on someone. But like when I had my boys, I got, I cut my hair really short. That was not a good look on me. But I see people with really short hair that look adorable. It's so cute. Oh, my mom has really short hair. It is super cute on her, but I just, I could not do it. It's not cute on me. No, no, not especially whenever I have a full face. (laughs) Yeah. I got to have long hair if I got to have some length. (laughs) Right, right. Well, I always, I wear my hair back so often, so I don't even know that it matters. But anyway. Funny. (laughs) No, I I get it. We we look back and we're like, what was I thinking? Yes, yes. It was not great. But I give myself some grace because during that time, I was just so busy and figuring things out. And a part of that, too, I had had a breakup from my one and only college boyfriend, you know, just not just a couple months before I graduated college. So I was still a little sad and a little like, okay, well, what now? You know, my whole life is just different now. So what do I do? So did that kind of transitioned to full time at the church which helps schedule wise. But one of the things about youth ministry is there's often food, right? And it's 
always junk. Right. I was kind of imagining what you would have at a, at a church event. It's like, yes. I remember like animal crackers. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pizza <laughs> yeah. all the time. Yeah. Pizza all the time. Mm-hmm. Fast food often. Yeah. Chips, yeah. popcorn, you know, you name it. I think I've had one teenager in my 10 years that wanted vegetables at youth events. And so I would get him a little veggie tray just for him because he was the only one. It's yeah, it's awful. Yeah. But and then I would help with sports at the school near me and we would go to McDonald's after games and like that would be my only meal. So it's like, well, I'm not going to not eat and their salads are gross. So right. <laughs> in my opinion, we all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency, and in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories, promo code ifstories10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash ifstories, promo code ifstories10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. So it was just a recipe for disaster for this naturally picky eater person. Mm -hmm. Cheeseburgers all the time, fries all the time, chicken all the time, pizza all the time. But I was having a blast. So it was great. So for, I just hit my 10 year mark. So I think it was about six years or so into youth ministry. I, I'm a people pleaser. I am Mm -hmm. a, a giver and in a role as a youth minister or a minister or anything in the church, it is very easy to be taken advantage of. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you are familiar with that. And I'm not placing blame on other people all the time because we have to practice saying no right. and setting up boundaries. I did not know that. That is not something that I was taught in college. That was not one of my classes. Well, when you have that giving heart, you you... You tend to assume other people are like you and that people are like wanting the best for you, just like you want the best for them. (laughs) Then when you find out someone had different motives, you're like, what? Exactly. What? Yeah. 
Right. It's so true. It's so true. Mm -hmm. And most people that are drawn to a career in this path are giving people. Well, like teachers. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You, yeah, for sure. Teachers are taken advantage of all the time. Right. And again, it's not always the fault of the person who's taking advantage. Sometimes they don't realize they're doing it. Mm -hmm. But in youth ministry, you have, you know, I had about 20 teens at the time or so. And most of them were very kind and very considerate and had been brought up to be thankful and grateful and, you know, to understand boundaries. But a lot of them didn't. Mm -hmm. They came from broken homes and some of them just didn't really know what it meant to be loved and cared for in a selfless way. So I had some kids that were just pulling at me from every angle and I was being spread very, very thin. Um, At this point, as far as my health goes, I was doing pretty well. I was all over the place. I was running, I was helping sports and I was trying to be disciplined because I was trying to control what I could. Right. And what I could control at that time was those things in my life because everything else felt out of control. And so fast forward to, oh goodness, probably uh, fall around this time of year, actually around fall, uh, winter of 2018, I had a family of three kids that were taking advantage and intentionally so. I didn't know it at the time because like you said, I expected people to (laughs) treat me the way I would treat them and have the same motives. They did not. So... In 2018, November, early December, I found out that one of the teens from that family was lying about me. And um, it was very, very hard because for over a year, there had been a lot of manipulation from this particular student and his family. There had been a lot of advantage taking. There had been name calling even like thinking back at it, I'm like, how did I let that stand? Mm -hmm. But when you're in the middle of it and you are trying to serve and my only role was to love and serve, like I'm not going to, I didn't feel like I could stand up for myself necessarily. And so you had the red flags, but you just ignored them. Looking back, we're like, oh, there they were. Right. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And at that point in my life, I had never, I didn't know what a narcissist looked like. I didn't know what manipulation looked like. I didn't know what gaslighting looked like. I -hmm. didn't know any of those things. I was still, I mean, at that time, about 28. So I should have known. But whenever you grow up in a sheltered home, you go to Christian school, you have people that are kind and loving all your life. Then you come across a teenager that's like that. You're like, okay, I don't know what this is. (laughs) Right. So, and I didn't know how to enforce my boundaries Mm -hmm. in a way that wouldn't make them mad. Yeah. And I didn't want to make anybody mad. So it was very difficult. So I found out that December that he was lying about me saying that I, we were having an inappropriate relationship. And at the time I was like, I don't really know why he's lying about this because there's no evidence and no proof. And I have, you know, 20 other teenagers that would say like, there's no way he's telling the truth. Like, those are the things I would imagine other people who've been falsely accused, like there's no proof or evidence to back up what he's saying. So why would anybody, and this kid is known for lying. This kid is known for perverted behavior. Like why would anybody believe him? But as 
it should be in most cases, the kid is the one that's believed, you know? Right. And mm-hmm. I don't um, deny that that should be the case because oftentimes the kid needs to be the one to be believed. Yeah. But sometimes there are kids that are the trouble, you know, sometimes right. there are kids that lie. And so that whole December to about March of the following year, so 2019 now, I was just in limbo of what's going to happen, what's going on, because I had distanced myself from that family. And I was hearing things from the gossip group and the rumor mill and all this stuff. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. I'm distanced from them. So I don't know what they're saying. I don't know who they're talking to, whatever. And in that time, I was living in an apartment with a friend and I wanted food. (laughs) I just wanted food. I wanted comfort, you know? And so in that spring of 2019, I did a polygraph test, passed with flying colors. I was like, okay, this is all that I, I mean, this should tell everybody what we need to know. Like, I don't know why this needs to continue. I went and met with detectives um, and told them the whole story, the truth, you know, everything that did and didn't happen and communicated all of that, got a lawyer. Um, it was just crazy. Like, I, I think everyone who wore, has ever worked with kids can can understand how terrifying that would be. Yes. Because you're like, wait a minute, I didn't do any, I have done nothing. But then there's that whole, like, <laughs> you know, people are like, well, it must be her. But, right. you know, and, and then you feel like, but but I, I didn't do anything. So right. that has got to be so terrifying. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's a book I read years ago, The Sociopath Next Door. And it talks about a certain percentage of people do not have the same it's, it's like a surprisingly, I don't know, like 4%, which sounds like tiny, but it isn't. When you think about right. like out of every right. hundred people, that means four of them don't mm-hmm. have the same kind of conscience. So, right. you know, mm-hmm. now did you ever, what was that show Dirty John? It was like a TV oh, show. No. It was like a narcissist. Yeah, but right. so I don't know what his diagnosis was, but mm-hmm. it was based on a true story. And that these people can just ruin your life by making things up. Right. And then you're like, but it, it's not true. And Right. And there's ugh. no basis for for the lie. There's no basis for the the accusation. I only had one ever boyfriend in my life. Like, right. It, I was, I just couldn't understand why anybody would ever believe anything that this, this kid who's known for lying, right. known to have addiction to porn, you know, right. all of these things that, you know, are just crazy. So, so you, you were just like, well, soothing yourself with food because it's just this terrifying situation yes. that you're caught in. Yes, exactly. Yep. And trying to enjoy what parts of life that I could because my life was just so consumed with this whole situation. And once I took the polygraph test and interviewed with the detectives, I kind of assumed like this is it. Like, they're, what else do they need to know? You know, yeah. this is over. Well, fast forward to August of 2019. I was leaving to go to work and walked out into the parking lot of my apartment complex and got picked up by two sheriff's constables in our, in the County that I was accused of. So I was arrested. Oh my gosh. Yes. And even in that moment, I just was bawling and I was just, I don't know what I'm supposed to have done. Like, I don't know what you guys think I did to arrest me. And one of the, they, there was definitely the good cop, bad cop thing, because one of the guys was like, we know what you did. And I was like, I don't know what happened. 
And the other one was a lot more kind and went and alerted my roommate so that somebody knew where I was going. And so that day was just a crazy day. I could probably talk for hours just about that day. I can't even imagine. It was crazy. And that was also a day where I, I didn't eat anything because I didn't want to have to go to the bathroom because the bathrooms are open for all to see. And I didn't want to have to go to the bathroom. So I didn't eat anything. I didn't drink anything. I just sat still to not bother anybody because I was so scared and I could go on and on about that day. But I did get released that day. My parents and some people in our church came and figured out all of the things and figured out the bail process and all of that. So I was able to leave that day, which was a miracle. That doesn't usually happen. And so that started me on a bigger process for the legal side, but also my physical side, my weight, because with, if you've been arrested and you're awaiting, you know, court cases or a trial or whatever it may be, you are under restriction. So I was not allowed to go to church. I was not allowed to work from my church. I, the church did not have to fire me because they, they looked at everything. They read the polygraph. I gave them my phone. Like I turned over everything just to say like, I didn't do this. And so the church, obviously after looking at all of those things, believed it and knew it and they knew me and, and know the other family. And so they were not going to fire me just because a kid lied about me. Right. So I was still able to work, but I was working from coffee shops. I was working from my apartment. I was working from on occasion restaurants, you know, cause I needed to be somewhere where I could do my job, but I couldn't be in my office. Right. So I was drinking mochas mm-hmm. <laughs> and eating pastries sometimes and going and get, getting fast food sometimes and not motivated to work out because I was, I guess in a way you could say I was depressed. Um, I was oh just- my gosh. Yes. I can't <laughs> even imagine. Literally, this is like, I think the, the biggest fear of any any person mm-hmm. that works with kids. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Cause you know, you, you, you were then like tainted with this idea. Well, he said it and maybe she did. And then right. you're just like, but you know, you didn't do it. Right. Right. And but you're like trapped in this nightmare. Yes. Yeah. It, it literally did feel like a nightmare. Whenever I would go to bed, I was afraid to fall asleep. Whenever mm-hmm. I would wake up, I was afraid to wake up. I was afraid of who I would run into because it was on the news. Like my face was on the news. My face was in the newspaper. My people were sharing articles with other people. So anytime I went in public, I was always afraid of who I might run into that I knew and maybe didn't believe me or they would feel bad for me or even running into the the teen himself. Like I was terrified of running into him. And at this point I was starting to learn things that were happening behind the scenes that other people were telling me I didn't know about, I was starting to be afraid that he was going to come and hurt me. Right. He was stronger than me. You know, he, he was narcissistic. And so I was afraid of him coming after me, which I don't know if that might've just been the heat of the moment. I don't know that he actually would have done that, but I was scared. I can understand that fear because you're like, well, if someone can make this up and totally destroy my life, right? then what else could they do? Right. And now your mind is like open to these possibilities you never thought of before. You're like, gosh, literally, I'm just not safe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, what is he capable of if he's Mm -hmm. capable of this? Exactly. So still, you know, coping in whatever ways I could, trying to control what I could control, 
enjoy what I could enjoy. Right. And, but I'm also a personality. I'm super transparent and I'm, I try to be super self-aware. So I knew what I was doing. Like I knew like I, this is emotional eating. I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I want to do it. And I don't care. And I know I should be outside getting fresh air and walking, but I just want to sit here and watch TV, uh, watch the office. That was my comfort show. <laughs> so then of course the legal process is a long one. It's a drawn out process. You have court cases and appearances and meetings with lawyers and all of this stuff, all in hopes of trying to get this dismissed before it has to go to trial. But then 2020 COVID hit oh. and like I still was required to call in because I had to report once a month to prove that I wasn't like fleeing or something on bail. So I was still having to report over the phone, but the courts were closed. So we couldn't have any important court dates or meetings or anything to decide anything. So basically the whole case was on pause for probably six months or so. And COVID, I, it was hard for everybody in that mm-hmm. regard. Um, I'm not the only one that had a struggle with COVID. But it was just like, why did this have to happen right in the thick of my own nightmare? Why, right. why is the world's nightmare happening right in the midst of my own nightmare and just prolonging this horrible, horrible time? And my roommate now was staying home because she was a teacher. So she was having to teach from online. And so both of us are just like, okay, well, what are we going to bake today? Like, (laughs) are we going to have brownies and breads and pastries and pizza and all these things? And it was really bad, but also fun to a degree. But it was also nice that I wasn't the only one that couldn't go to work anymore. You know, other people were in my same shoes. Like none of us could go to work. We were all working from home. So that was kind of nice, but um, (laughs) for me at least. So fast forward a couple months, I started going to counseling. I found this Christian counselor who is amazing and very biblically minded. So everything he was teaching was very foundational and biblical truth. And I I loved that. And I would tell him, you know, everything, like I would just get there and I would sit down and sometimes I just immediately start crying. Right. um, And just go through all of the things that were going on. But I would tell him how I just wasn't feeling comfortable. And like, I knew I had gained weight, but I didn't weigh myself and I didn't, I, I knew that part of that was just the time that I was in. So I wasn't worried about it, but I was uncomfortable. And he said, have you ever thought about intermittent fasting? Love <laughs> and, it. Yeah. I know. I, know. <laughs> I thought that was so great. And I was like, well, I've heard of fasting. I've heard of something like that, but I don't know specifically, like, I don't know what you are referring to. And so he mentioned your podcast, this podcast. Awesome. And then he mentioned the book. And so I was like, you know, I feel like that's something I could do. I've never been a breakfast person. I've, I'm not one to be hungry super quickly. Like I've Mm -hmm. always been like, just like big meals for like lunch and dinner and like maybe a dessert or something. I'm not a snacker. I'm not a breakfast person. Um, and so I figured that probably wouldn't be hard to try. Like I could, I can wait to eat till a certain time of day and I can figure out how to like black coffee, not mochas anymore. And so I pretty much right away started with 24, started with black coffee. It wasn't probably two or three days. I was like, Oh, this is good. I like it. (laughs) I like it better now. And so I would do an eating window from four to eight and within, let's see, I probably started, I think March 
31st, 2021. I remember because it wasn't April 1st. I've never started on not a first day of something. Oh. <laughs> That's funny because you could have been like, I'll just wait till April 1st. But right. You didn't. Right. Yeah. March Love 31st. It. Yes. And I think it was even like a Tuesday or something too. I don't remember. But I started March 31st, 2021. And by, I think, July of that same year, I was down 20 pounds. Do you remember, had you weighed at that point? Yes. So my heaviest that I've ever weighed in at was 188. At that point, I was around 180, 182, somewhere in there. And how tall are you? 5'7". Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, so at, at, in July of 2021, I was at 160. Okay. And I had not been at 160 since probably my freshman year of college or so. And I, I remember you, you saying on your podcast, like it's recommended to pursue the weight of your high school, like graduating weight, basically. Of or high think school. about that. It's like a natural, I mean, I'm going to have to start changing that advice because now oh, yeah. people are getting big earlier, right? Like when True. we look at our kids, like- our kids, and I really think it's like all these coffee drinks and everything that they're mm-hmm. like kids are going to Starbucks all through high school now. Right. And it's just really, really different. But when I was in high school, I feel like we were more like at our, like what our body gravitated towards mm-hmm. without all the, the, it wasn't, a, yeah, I graduated in 86. Mm-hmm. But it, what your body gravitated to, when you were in high school, I think is an indication of, of maybe a good natural weight for your body. Right. Unless you were someone who got really heavy earlier, which is happening more and more now. So just a little clarification. It's yes. We're, we're now in a state where kids are having, you know, diabetes, not, not just type one diabetes, but type two diabetes and metabolic problems. That's my little disclaimer about, about that. So that's important. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. So my graduating weight in high school was 150 and that okay. would be right about, and probably, you know, on the charts and I, I don't love the charts because everybody's right. body is different and everything like yeah. that. 150 would be at the top of the range for one or for five, seven, but me being not a petite person and having some muscle just from all my years of sports, I think 150 is perfect. A good healthy weight for your frame and, yes. and the way you feel in your body. Yeah. Right. So at that point I had gotten to about 160 and I was able to stay, you know, in the 160, 165 range for the next year or so leading me to whenever I actually went to trial and I could not believe that we had gotten to that point. Yeah. I had Because you're like, surely like there's, there's no evidence. There's nothing but his word. Right. Saying it. Yes. And what? I have to actually go to trial? That, yes. Oh. oh, yeah. It was all of my group. You know, I had my whole church, you know, my whole family, my lawyer, several people from the school that I had gone to were standing by, beside me throughout this whole process. And everybody was like, why? Why did this have to go to trial? Like, right. this doesn't make any sense. And at that point, obviously, I'm a Christian. So right. at that point, I'm just, you know, it's God's will. And it's not a fun part of God's will for my life, but it's an important part of God's will for my life. And I knew even before we got there that whatever happened was going to be big and that God would get the glory from it. And so even going into trial, like what should be the most traumatic, scary, intense time of your life, I was at so much peace 
that's you had turned it over. You're like, okay, this is what's happening. Yes. Um, it's going to unfold, and what will be will be. Right. And yeah. I, exactly what will be will be. I'm at peace and a little bit anticipatory also because this was going to be the first time. I was going to see my accuser right. in three years. This was going to be the first time I was going to hear from his family and hear what they were saying. And then it would be the first time that I would finally get to speak. Cause and all clear of your time, name. Yes. Yeah. All this time I had been advised to be quiet and not to talk to anybody that I didn't trust, not to tell my story to anybody I didn't trust, not to try to defend myself, just right. be quiet. And a lot of the time defendants don't take the stand because it's risky. My lawyer was like, you are going to take the stand because they need to hear you. And I was so thankful for that, though scared. Right. And so it was a two-week-long trial, which, again, why in the world did it need to be two weeks? We could have cleared this up a long time ago. And so for those who might not be familiar with the way the process works, the prosecution gets to lay out their side first bring up all of their witnesses, kind of create their narrative. Right. And then the defense gets to lay out their side. So for the first several days, we had I had to sit still and listen to my accuser, my accuser's parents, my accuser's friend, and then like some experts who never even talked to me, who were believing this narcissistic person. And... That was so hard, but yet fasting made it so easy. And that sounds weird. Like it's weird to correlate the two, but you understand like the clarity and the calm that fasting helps me with before that I was able to sit and I was sharp. I was able to hear everything they said. I was able to write notes. I was able to give it to my lawyer. I was able to be much less anxious than I probably would have been in other circumstances. And like, even before I started fasting, you know, I could have had digestive issues or headaches or all of these things just because of my body. I had no headaches, no digestive issues, no bloating, no issues. Like I felt physically and spiritually and emotionally just where I needed to be. (laughs) I'm so glad. And that's a miracle. That's a miracle. And it, yeah, it was just outrageously amazing to me because it didn't make sense, but I felt great. And so it led to the defense side, which was my turn. I was first for our side to give my testimony. I was on the stand for, for an entire day from about 8am till about 4.30pm minus lunch. And I was I wish I could go back and watch how it looked from the outside because inside I was just answering the questions, but everybody you said from the outside, like it was amazing. (laughs) Like they didn't understand how, how it was happening. The prosecutor who is the ADA for the case, he's a charming, sharp, quick, you know, what you would think of if you're watching a movie or a TV show, he is that person. Right. And I was scared to go head to head with him because I'm typically more timid. Right. And and scared to death. Yes. <laughs> yes. Scared to death. And as soon as he started questioning, 
And it was fasting, helping my clarity, but also mm-hmm. of course it was the Lord helping me. Right. I, I saw his traps right away. I saw the way he, or I heard the way he was wording things to try to confuse me and trip me up. He would bring up a piece of evidence that wasn't relevant. And I would, I called him out on it. And like my, my lawyer said that he was like, I've never seen anything like that. Seen somebody go head to head with him and you completely annihilated him. Awesome. And I was like, that it was so vindicating. Right. So obviously, you know, the Lord is active in my life. So I have to give him praise and glory first because I couldn't have gone through any of it without God. But fasting is a tool that God used to help me physically handle it. I did not, I fasted throughout the entire trial. I would only eat dinner afterwards. Mm -hmm. So I only had water and black coffee during the trial and felt great. Even to the point that at the very end we had during the deliberation for the jury, the judge called us in because they had a question and um, he was like, are y'all going out to eat lunch while you wait? And I was like, no, I'm not eating lunch. And he was like, you're not eating lunch. I was like, no, I'm fasting. And he looked at my lawyer. He's like, aren't you afraid she's going to pass out? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, I feel no, great. She never eats lunch. <laughs> right. She feels great. And of course, you know, the jury deliberation took like an hour and a half, two hours. It was really fast. Not guilty. It was amazing. I'm so glad I was waiting for that. Part. Yeah. You know, they, yeah. they, the, that goes to show, you know, if it only took an hour and a half, yes. then you're like, okay, that was pretty. Right. Pretty obvious. Right, yeah. right there. Yeah. yeah. For sure. <laughs> yes. It, Thank goodness. Yes. And it was, it was quite the, quite the celebration afterwards. Cause you know, that was two and a half, three years of my life was waiting for that moment. The judge was very kind. And afterwards he came over and just said, I'm so sorry you had to go through this. And that probably doesn't happen very often. Right. So it was, it was quite the experience and all that to lead to the fasting. You know, I had gotten to such a comfortable place physically that I felt so comfortable in other areas and so at peace. And I don't think I could have gone through the trial as comfortably and as successfully, as quick and clearly as I did due to fasting. Right. So I will forever be thankful that I found fasting whenever I did so that I could have it as a tool during that time. For sure. So I can't even imagine. I know everybody's (laughs) probably just like, whew. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I know you are so grateful to have had the support of your church family and your real family, your 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 friends and your community to stand beside you because they know you. Right. And again, like I said, I think this is something that every person who's worked with kids before Mm -hmm. has had that fear. Like right. Mm-hmm. You know what? What do you do? You know, it's, we we know we live in a society where we're supposedly innocent until proven guilty, <laughs> but you know, mm-hmm. your story sounded like very much guilty until proven innocent. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and I I appreciate that. That's the motto, I guess, that the legal system uses, but that's not really the practice, right? And I I try to not. I don't want any bitterness to creep in and I don't want to be angry or upset with the way the process went because for somebody who is guilty, I applaud the legal system protecting children. children. Yeah. We want the children to be protected a hundred percent. Right. And I just happened to be a scapegoat in a scenario and Mm -hmm. had to 
go through the process, but also again, giving God all of the glory. I learned so many lessons in those three years about myself, about him, about how to get through really hard situations that I would not have learned otherwise. So I, I'm extremely grateful and I will always be giving testimony for the good, good results and the good lessons learned during that time. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard... We think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I'm so glad that it worked out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. And I'm so glad that fasting helped you through it because yes. you're right. The mental clarity and the sharpness and the peace that it can give us. You know, right. There's a reason why every major religion includes fasting. Right. You know, right. Not just the Christian religion, but every major religion has mm-hmm. has fasting as a part of the spiritual practice, and right. and I think that's really really important. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Yeah, it's been huge. And since so that was February two thousand twenty two. So it's been a year and a half, almost two years now of freedom. And I would love to say like I continue to lose weight and I've gotten to my goal weight and all of that. But I know you appreciate, you know, realness and authenticity. And so I've kind of fluctuated. And part of that is happy weight, I guess I'd call it because I mean, I want to go eat a muffin right now (laughs) just out of celebrating your story. (laughs) Well, we went out to eat to celebrate with different people. And we had, you know, a bonfire to celebrate at our church and and I'm a celebration person. I Me love too. See, like I've always said, I'm not an emotional eater until you actually think about it from the other lens of like <laughs> eat celebratory. I am that kind of emotional yes, eater. Exactly. Yes, <laughs> for sure. I'm yeah. 100% an emotional eater. <laughs> so we when it's celebration. That's me. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So we celebrated, you know, lots. And again, I'm, I did change my eating habits slightly. I did start to enjoy some things that I did not enjoy before. Like the strangest thing, right at the beginning, I started to crave Brussels sprouts and I had never even had one. I'd never had one before. And there was something in me saying, I need a Brussels sprout. And that, I don't know what that means. Like, I don't know if it's just my body was craving that certain thing. And I, my mind was like, that thing has that, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Um, but I had never had one before and I started craving Brussels sprouts. Um, so weird, but I don't love them still, but I can tolerate them. And, you know, I kind of, my taste buds have kind of transitioned to be more, I guess you'd call it a Mediterranean 
style. Yeah. Like I crave yeah. that style of food more. I I'm still a picky eater and I still don't always make the wisest choices whenever it comes to food, but I think my tra- my tastes have transitioned a bit. Well, um, you're Greek though, right? You're you've got Greek heritage. Yes. With your uh, Greek class name. So yes. I like to think you know, we got that genetic roots and uh-huh. you're craving the food that your ancestors ate. Yeah, probably. They passed it down. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh well, and it's funny too, because my dad's part Greek, part Irish. My mom's part mm-hmm. Irish, part German or something. And so I feel like the Irish, like I love potatoes and, you know, (laughs) anything potatoes. So like a lot of potatoes and then like lots of olives and like feta cheese and like, yum, yeah, peppers. And yes. So (laughs) a little bit of both. That's so funny. That's probably true. Yeah. Yeah, All my family goes back. If you'd look back, I had this, this app family tree or something and you Mm -hmm. put people in there and you see how you're related. I'm related to pretty much everyone I've ever put in. If they've got roots in Scotland, England, that's where everybody seems to be connected. I don't have all that Irish that I thought Mm -hmm. that I had, but it's it's Scottish, Scottish and English. It's so interesting. I love that stuff. What were they eating in Scotland? That's what I should be eating. Except (laughs) I'm not eating haggis. So forget (laughs) it. (laughs) Yeah, no. No, I I draw the line at certain fishes too. Like, (laughs) no. (laughs) So where has your weight kind of settled in? So right now I'm in the 170 range. Okay. Um, I, I, I'm not a big weigher. I, I, I forget most of the time, honestly, but I also don't love the getting discouraged or being super excited if it's a little lower one day. Cause I'm like, I just want to have a balanced view of it. I do still have a scale and it's one of the smart scales. So I can Mm kind of track, you know, some levels so I've kind of leveled out right now around 170. Uh, it could go up or down, you know, the four or five uh, pounds. I did also just recently, um, I went to a doctor and she did a full panel. I've never had a full panel before to see where all of my different things are, not just my thyroid. And right. my TSH is still high. Um, so that still is a problem. But one of the things that has happened right whenever I was in the 160 range, I had gone to the doctor and gotten my thyroid numbers checked and my numbers had gotten to the normal range. Um, and so I was really excited because I, I just knew it had to do with fasting, but then whenever my weight kind of started creeping and I was kind of fluctuating more, it's gone back up. So I know that it's correlated. So you may need, need a higher dose right. of and your thyroid medication. Yes. Yeah. And I did just switch to armor thyroid. Okay. So we're going to see if maybe that makes a difference, mm-hmm. but I've Ever since, you know, fasting and kind of figuring that out, I've kind of been trying to figure out changing products and kind of, I have your book cleanish. I haven't read it yet. I have it sitting right on my desk over there because I want to know more about the things that are affecting my health other than food. Cause I try, I don't like cutting certain foods. Obviously like I know fast food and soft drinks and those things, like there's no benefit in those, but as far as like certain breads or potatoes or, you know, certain things that are just, you know, good for your soul, but also like have nutrition in them. I don't want to have to cut out certain things all the time. If I can enjoy life and be healthy, if that makes sense. No, completely. (laughs) I completely understand it. And I'm very much the same way after, you know, experimenting with different things over the past really 12 months. Yeah. And, you know, experimenting with whole food plant based. Oh, if plants are good, what if I only eat plants? Right. And then 
reeling myself back in and mm-hmm. realizing, huh, no, I don't need to do all that. Right, right. <laughs> I'm yeah. planning to have a burger today. I haven't had a burger since mm-hmm. August. I love burgers. <laughs> I, love I love burgers, burgers too. That's awesome. And I'm like, you know what? This burger is not going to give me diabetes. I mean, you know, right, right. Anyway, so mm-hmm. I'm going to enjoy a burger. I'm going to show you tonight. Going to enjoy a good you. burger. And not going down the rabbit holes of restriction. Even Jen Stevens mm-hmm. can give herself diet brain. Right, right. And I, it's the balance thing. If I can be at a comfortable weight and my health is all in check and I can exactly. still enjoy things, then I want it. That's yep. where I want to be. I just started the sourdough journey and I'm having so much fun. I love baking sourdough bread so very much. I'm not like super great at it yet, but I'm having so much fun and it's delicious. So if I can manage to stay in a comfortable space and still enjoy baking sourdough, that's what I want to do. That being said, I'm trying to figure out still, I'm still learning the right protocol, the right system that, because I still do want to get to that 150. Right. But I'm also, I'm relatively young. I don't have to feel like I need to rush and kill myself to get there. If I can get there gradually and easily and comfortably, I'm okay with that. That makes sense. Yeah. We want to, we want to figure out the balance between living the lifestyle we enjoy and right. also feeling good in our body. And, yes. the, you know, the, like I know if I if I decided to eat whole food, plant-based, low fat, I would lose weight mm-hmm. right now with my, like, I know, I, but I don't want to lose weight. I don't need to lose weight. Right. And I also don't want to eat that way forever. Right. So mm-hmm. it, it's, it's a matter of figuring out the balance of there's going to be sourdough bread in my life. Mm-hmm. And that sourdough bread is going to have butter on it. Yes. Lots of butter. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. It, it's just a matter of figuring out that. The, the lifestyle matters. Right. Enjoying your lifestyle matters right. versus, you know, right. like now I'm only going to eat, you know, this very restrictive way or whatever, whatever mm-hmm. to try to get down to some low weight. That doesn't sound fun. Right. No, not at all. And I've tried the the alternate day fasting too. And I know that it works because I can right. feel a difference. I just don't enjoy it. Right. I like to eat. And I still will probably throw it in every once in a while because I do no- notice how I feel whenever I do, like maybe one or once or twice a week, throw in a long fast or something. Right. But that being said, I'm like, even right now, before like a month ago, I was like, I need to get back in and check so that I can tell Jen how well I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> but then I was like, you know what? I'm not doing badly. I'm not doing as well as I want to be doing, but right. I also don't want to make it a diet. I don't want to make it, you know, something Mm -hmm. that is rigid and uncomfortable and not balanced. So Mm -hmm. I did not do that. I've been eating every day, but within a window. (laughs) I get it. I get it. And that's, you know, it's, it's an enjoyable way to live and Mm -hmm. you just feel so good. Yes. Right. You know, intermittent fasting is more than just what the number on the scale says. And that's what I really want to get across. We can Mm -hmm. all make that number go down by doing things. For me, I know what would make my number. I mean, I don't weigh, but Mm -hmm. I know what would make my pants looser. Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, but, but do I want to do that? Mm. (laughs) No, no, I I don't, I don't need to. I don't want to. So, right. Right. (laughs) I think that's important. You got to enjoy the lifestyle. You got to find a lifestyle that feels like what you can do because we can give things up and restrict things for only so long before we rebel. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, I've never been able to last. I I will just go off and be like, all right, I'm eating whatever I want, whenever I want it. If I was restricting. Yeah. So 
then you're just like rebelling. And then you're just like, right. I'm just going to eat a whole block of cheese. Now yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> no, that's yeah. not the answer either. Right. Well, we are almost out of time. Yes. What oh would you gosh. tell someone? I, it always does. <laughs> what would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? Um, so I actually wrote some things down and I'm not even sure if I'll feel to read my writing. But the first thing I was thinking of is consistency. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people will dabble in and dabble out and be like, you know, I'll do it for a couple of days and all that. But for me, I noticed the clarity and the success um, by just sticking with it, even whenever I didn't necessarily feel anything happening. Right. I woke up one day and I was like, oh, something's happening, <laughs> you know? So consistency, I think is a main thing. And also just a practical thing to figure out how to center your window around your favorite time to eat. I love dinner. I'm a dinner person. So it, anytime I've tried to do a window in a different time, like if I try in the morning, I'm hungry for the rest of the day and it right. doesn't work. So center your window around that favorite time of day where you will be successful, where you won't, you know, struggle to stop. It's a lifestyle um, and me being a runner, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yes. And so often we just want to, you know, do whatever's fast and get it over with. But there's so many benefits in long distance running and endurance and spiritual endurance. You know, if you can grow that endurance in you, it's beneficial for every part of your life. So endurance and also kind of like what we were just talking about, the weight goal isn't the only goal, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. Even though I haven't necessarily seen like a, a lot of even non-scale victories just because I didn't know what my numbers were before, the mental clarity, I, I can't stop talking about that part. The mental clarity and just the peace mm -hmm. and being able to control something that is okay for us to be able to control. I can control when I eat. I am very appreciative of that. So I would tell everybody, you know, if you're starting out, Maybe try it with the thought of, you know, the mental side of it, the clarity right. and the peace and the endurance side of it without thinking about the physical side of it for at least the beginning. So, yeah, I think that's really good advice. And like you said, thinking about it like a marathon, this is mm -hmm. not just something you're just going to do for a little bit till you drop mm -hmm. all the weight, then you're going right. to stop. It's, it's a new way of thinking about your body and what you're capable of and how your body's fueling itself. And mm -hmm. why do we put more fuel in, you know, right. all that. So mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot going on. Well, yeah. Shannon, I'm just so, so grateful that you told your story today. <laughs> and I'm also so grateful that everything worked out for you. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Me too. I'm grateful for you and everything you've taught me. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at 
hello at resonaterecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. Hey, listeners, it's Will Arnett. Our podcast, Smartless, has crossed a milestone that seemed unfathomable when we started nearly four years ago as we've just released our 200th episode. Join us as we welcome that dynamic duo of hilarity, Steve Martin and Martin Short. You've seen them on screen together in The Three Amigos, Father of the Bride 1 and 2, and most recently, and Only Murders in the Building. Both are comedic geniuses in their own right, but together they are always electric. And this episode of Smartless is no exception. I don't know if I've laughed more in a single episode than this one. We discuss their career arcs both separately and as a comedy team, how they met, who is more difficult to work with, and what motivates them today. Is Steve a better banjo player than Marty as a singer? Find out on this bicentennial episode of Smartless. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Smartless ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Plus, you get to hear Sean cry. What a loser! 